This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello and welcome to Front Office Features. I am Rob Crane, here as always with Chris Valente. Chris, how are you? I am great, Rob. How are you? It is good to see you. It is good to see you. Um, So, I would say this past week was one of our more fun weeks. uh, As we talked to your boss, kind of my boss too, as they own a piece of the Paw Sox, uh, the president and CEO of the Boston Red Sox and Fenway Sports Management, Sam Kenny. He was awesome. Yeah, he was great. I think before our interview, I had mentioned to you we might get a couple questions because Sam is a talker. And he lived up to his... He did. He, he was on brand. He lived up to it and was talking um, our ears off and providing so much insight in terms of the ability to navigate this crazy business that we are in to, to ascend all the way to the top. So I think it's a absolute treasure trove of gold for people out there trying to figure out what it takes to be successful and how he drove a limousine and done other jobs on the side to selling radio and his income so no excuses is essentially what he said there's no excuses you gotta do whatever it takes and he wrote every single one of them like letters and that kind of stuff and the one that he got started with the yankees right so so old school so very old school Typing them out on a typewriter, probably. Yeah, we talk about, we give advice, and, you know, we have fun doing it and talking and kind of, you know, leveraging our 30, 35 years of experience. But I was kind of hanging on a lot of the different words and different advice that he was given, Uh, especially he was, like, talking to me, I swear to God, when he was saying, uh, because we asked him a question like, uh, you know, what did you learn from Lucchino? And it was, read the document. And know the document. He goes, salespeople sometimes cannot be the uh, most detail-oriented people in the world, but you got to read the document and know the document. And let me tell you, if you were to describe me, uh, detail-oriented would not be the number one thing that would come up. (laughs) You're uh, a a breather in the contract? You just breathe through it? I am am definitely a skimmer of things. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, good enough, right? Sign it. Did you pay? Good. Um, Do we need a contract? Handshake. I'm good. Um, But so he was like talking to me because that's definitely something I felt like I can improve upon in uh, in my career. Well, you know what else was reassuring? He was providing a lot of the same advice and guidance that you and I have been talking about for the last seven months. So I guess we know what we're talking about. We know what we're talking Um, about. So that was that was great. And I, I mean, it's just. He's he's so val- he's so generous with his time. I mean, for just to do it with us, obviously. I mean, whereas his employees, which is great, but also I know he's very generous with speaking with people. So if anybody listened to that, you should take the time and take his advice to reach out to the president, CEO of the Boston Red Sox, and do so with kind of the answers he told you how to do it. Right? He's like, you got to be concise. 
you got to come with a bunch of information that you want um, answered. And you also have to be like direct in saying, I am in finance and I can provide value here. This is what I'm looking for versus just an open-ended general question that you could find the answer to online by just doing a Google search. Yeah, I think that's one of the things too that um, uh, I talk a lot about my sisters and, and stuff and they're, how they're, you know, they're very, very beginning of this, right, for freshman year. And I say, they're like, well, I really want, I really would like that job. I wish I could have that job. Man, that I would love that. Well, what value do you bring? Right? right. Not to say that you've got to have all the value today, but you've got to aim, frame the question is, right, a lot of people would love those types of things, but what value do you bring that nobody else can? What experiences do you have that are unique? And I think the framing of the question is the value that you bring. For sure. Yeah. And that's what we always tell people too, is like, look, if you're going to get on a call with someone at our level and or an executive, come prepared to discuss what the assets that you think are valuable to me versus the other way around. It's not what can that person do for you on the other end of the phone? What can you do for me? And if you present it that way, that person's going to be way more engaged and want to talk to you longer. So I, I he was... He was great. I mean, he knew we had a half hour of his time, but I feel like he filled in about an hour worth of information from right. that because he just talked and talked and just used his wealth of knowledge that he has. And I mean, he's he's seen it all, right? He's dealt with it all. And that Fenway, from the time he's joined it, it looks a lot different than the time it is today. I mean, it was barely a sign in that ballpark. There was no suites in Fenway Park until he came around with Larry and There's all that. There's no the suites. No, the suite level was like the was like a storage section. There was not a suite in Fenway Park. What? Yeah, the station. I did not know that. I've been there yeah. since those I suites was... didn't, those did not exist. That was this. There was the four hundred six club, and that was it. Are you sure about that? Yes, those suites weren't there until the new ownership group came. No, no, I, I remember. I went to my first game in like sixth or seventh grade, and I was in a suite. Like no, and the I whole was always joked about it. Like maybe there's one or two, but that whole entire section, this the Dell Technology level, yeah. was not all suites. That was like storage area. That so, I do know. So it was so, maybe there's like a handful of suites. So it was storage. So like field facing at like the premier level was storage. Yeah, I mean there was no. But what were you storing? There was, there was nothing on the Green Monster. There yeah, was I no seats. That. There was no signs on the Green Monster. Yeah. There was barely any sponsors. Yeah. It was a very different ownership group before this one took over. They uh, they have crushed it. They have absolutely uh, absolutely crushed it. So um, today, I know we talk a lot about advice and we've given that and we've really kind of, na- uh, I think we've hammered home networking uh, and reaching out to people in the last month or so as we've been quarantined. How many days are you quarantined? Today's 42. I went to the uh, I went to McCoy Stadium today for the first time. Sat in my office desk chair. Uh, my desk is I'm that guy that's got freaking papers everywhere. I've seen your desk. Yeah, yes. it's, a it's a disaster. It is a disaster. Yes, it is a disaster. My and old it, boss, was, I got a great story. He would have probably either thrown all your stuff out or fired you by now you fired call... me for having a messy desk yes i'm not even exaggerating so who? one of our 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 director of sales back in uh the day who who was our director of sales he was great at fenway or no this was at um the devils okay so he his was just he was an absolute slob 
just his his office was a, always a mess. He had flyers everywhere, like for the schools and the groups. He, but he had his system, right? He, that's probably like you do. You know where everything is, even though it's a that, disaster. That can be debatable. <laughs> so <laughs> he would always threaten to fire him, and he make, he used to make him go out and clean his car. He's like, if you ever pick up a client with a car looking like this, it's absolutely like disgusting. Like he would make him clean his car out, <laughs> and. One time, he, well, he had a relative who passed away, so he was out for a couple of days. My boss went in and threw out everything in his office. <laughs> really? <laughs> threw out everything. He came back. Oh he was God. so upset because like, his office was completely cleaned out. Completely. Uh, I would be – if someone did that, I would be uh, – I'd be shook for a long time. He was probably the best minor league ticket salesperson I've ever met. I well, mean, he crushed minor league sales tickets. What made him great? He just, he was an animal. Like, he was just absolutely tenacious. He had built up so many relationships. The PTA moms loved him. He just crushed ticket sales. And that was his strength. That was his absolute strength. Organization and, and, and leadership, not, not top qualities. Um, but him and my former boss would fight over cleanliness. Straight up cleanliness. That's and funny. Yeah, he called him a goat herder all the time. You're a goat herder. I'll fire your dead ass. <laughs> <laughs> finally, he threw out all his papers when he went to his grandparents' funeral or something. It was everyone was shook in the office that day. Oh, that's funny. They, uh, yeah. But anyway, it felt weird when I got there because I haven't been there in weeks. Uh, but also felt good too. It was just like ah, feels like I'm at work. I don't know. It was. Uh, I know. I I missed that routine. Like I I. I totally. It's do. weird. Like I, you. It's the first couple weeks. You're like, okay, great. I have a little, a little break from going into the office and whatever. But now it's like, I'm trying I'm, I'm to done. S- keep some kind of routine. Like uh, you kind of get a glimpse of what retirement's like, right? <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, I need to find do something to do. Day? And you can't golf. So like, what do you do? I've golfed twice. Yeah. See, we can't golf here. I know. I I wish I could invite you down to go play golf. Now you got to show. You got to show your license, right? You do. You got to show your license. Yeah. We'll get you a fake. <laughs> get fake IDs to go play golf. <laughs> yeah, right. Get arrested for trying to have a fake ID to go play golf. That'd be good. Um, okay. So I don't even know how we got there, but it doesn't matter. One of the things I want to talk about was the potential of reopening, the potential of kind of what the future looks like. So here's a question that was posed to me. I'll give you what my answer was after I get yours. Okay. Um, so I was uh, reached out to by a guy named Andrew Murphitt. Uh, I'm not sure if pronouncing his, pronouncing his last last name correctly, but he's a news editor at LinkedIn. And they sent me an email and they said, I'd like to get your take on this. And he has this big, long uh, LinkedIn post. His last name is M-U-R-F-E-T-T. And I'll just read you kind of the last paragraph. It's kind of sure. like a four-graph thing, but it's basically talking what we were talking about, getting back and the future and all this good stuff. Yeah. I'd love to hear from those working in the sports industries. In the sports industry, how should we think about a return of games? How can we mitigate risks and protect the health of players and coaches while also implementing a plan to bring sports back? What is the viability of returning to the field uh, this year in your sport? I took it a different way. I kind of went to more towards a future, uh, what it kind of looks like. But um, I wanted to get your thoughts on that because I thought you would have an interesting perspective. So the return, so the return this year, uh, or either, wherever you want to go. How how should we think about a return of games? Um, how can we mitigate risk and protect the health of players and coaches while implementing a plan to bring sports back? 
What is well, the viability of returning to the field this year in your sport? If I nail this, then I think I've solved the million-dollar question that no one can answer I, It's right not now. a million dollars. It's a billion dollars. <laughs> it's a trillion-dollar question if you ask the Randy Levine today. So um, that is the billion-dollar question. So in my opinion and in my viewpoint, this is strictly my opinion, um, and, I, and we, we always talk about this as about sports and our industry, we should always be part of the solution and not part of the problem. And clearly there's a major problem in society right now that we're all dealing with. And the, the, the biggest hurdle to overcome is to try and navigate a mass gathering once this all settles down. Society will probably kick on before sports does in terms of what you'd call normalcy. Yeah. I think we'll be, people will be back in offices. People will be back in restaurants, maybe at half capacity. It's a tricky thing to figure out how to pack in a 70,000-seat stadium and not have everyone on top of each other or out in the tailgate section. So I think, look, as much as it's going to suck for us and you and I and everyone else in our business financially, to do it wrong and screw it all up and start this all over again would be the absolute wrong approach. Uh, I think in terms of mitigating risk as long as possible, where we're being smart and strategic in how we come back, that may mean a year of games with no fans. And I know that's probably been the most likely scenario from a baseball perspective and then a hockey and an NH- and, um, NBA perspective. Football is a different beast because I'm not going to pretend to know what's going to be like five months from now in this country because I don't know what's going to be with five days from now. Yeah, uh, I think we're, as, and I can give some insight on what Fenway is doing, there's a task force literally trying to work out what it would look like if we were to have games with fans at Fenway, what the process would be, how they would enter, how they would go to the restroom, how they would get concessions, how would we maybe have testing. Players is another thing. So this is where we were talking today is from a PR perspective, it's hard to justify that we're, we're, we're taking tests from individuals who may need it just to be able to play a game unless there's enough tests for everyone. So if all of a sudden baseball, hockey, and basketball have all the tests for all the players and are doing it every day to make sure everyone's safe. Great. But Joe Smith can't get a test when he shows up at the hospital. Right. That's not a good look. No. Um, not, a good, not only a good look, it's just not good. Not, t- not terrible good. ethics. No, it's terrible ethics. So yeah. as much as we want sports back and as much as it would be amazing to have as a comeback for society, I think we have to be really, really smart slow and strategic in how we approach it because the last thing we want to do is have a headline in the new york times or wall street journal or on cnn that there was a major outbreak because everyone went to a football or baseball game and then we're shut down again because that just puts us back to square one so currently i think we're going to see games i do think we'll see games and whether whatever sport or when i say games it could be nascar it could be golf it could be whatever I don't think we're going to see fans for a while, um, just out of precautionary reasons. And then uh, I think as time goes and we learn more about what this virus is and how it determines, the fall might look different than the, the spring and summer. Yeah, I um, I agree with I agree with a lot of that. Um, I took my answer in kind of a different way of like, what I think when we get back will have the same impact. As is, you know, this is awful what happened. Uh, you know, 9 11 did the security, right? Venue security changed when 9 11 happened. 
you know, you before 9-11, you could go into any sporting event without going through a metal detector, without getting wanded. There was not even close to the amount of security folks that were there. And now, and then 9-11 happened, and they, the security beefed up like crazy. And now, if you were to go to a Red Sox game, or you were to go to any sort of sporting event, and there's not wanding, and there's not... Um, you know, metal detectors and there's not security, you'd be like freaked out of like, what the hell is going on here? Right. So in my opinion, I think that will have, that will be what happens in a venue, right? So there'll be dedicated people to cleanliness and sanitation, right? Masks, I think people will be, will be wearing. Uh, And then, uh, you know, gloves and all that kind of stuff. I just think it'll step up that part of it. What I also think it'll be, as you talk about reimagining what uh, the fan experience looks like, I also believe that the day of the concession line is dying, if not dead, where the frictionless checkout, we're going to have standard cognition in our ballpark where people can walk uh, out and their charges their cell phone, right? So yep. that there's no, there, there's no passing of credit cards or cash back and forth. Um, I think those are going to be ubiquitous in all uh, sporting venues. I just see that happening. The technology is on the cusp, and it's going to just be everywhere. I think it'll also eliminate a lot of people just standing in line together too, right? It'll maybe help open up that social distancing of how we enter a grocery store now or how we enter Home Depot or whatever it it may be. But, yeah, I think the future, to your point about 9-11, I mean – People who are probably listening to this or too young to even remember, you used to walk into the airport or walk into a stadium with absolutely no checks and balances Nothing. whatsoever. You, I go to an airport, you would walk without any right security in. right to the, the the jet bridge. And people, you, know a, you know a movie I just uh, – a movie reference for you? Whoa, whoa, whoa. I know we're about to get off the rails, but it is one movie I've probably seen a hundred times. What? A hundred times. I mean, we are in we're in dire straits now. If we're in COVID nineteen quarantine, and Rob Crane is going about to drop a movie reference, I have seen a movie, uh, uh, Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> oh, my favorite comedy of all time because <laughs> it's hilarious. And it was on uh, TV the other night. And uh, go in the airport when oh, he's running through the airport. <laughs> it's running okay, on I'm the a jet limo bridge. <laughs> it's okay. I'm a limo driver, and then <laughs> runs and falls right off, off the, the jet tarmac. bridge. And fill then, off the tarmac again. <laughs> uh, fill off the jet bridge, jet bridge again. <laughs> That's because you could. You could just walk through. Yep, you could. And all those scenes in the movies where people would just run up to gates and stuff, that all was, like, possible. But. That was all possible. But the yeah. – uh, uh, and I, what I didn't realize – it was on, like, you know, Fox, you know, one of those uh, True TV or whatever it was the other night. And yeah. uh, I haven't seen it since I've moved to Rhode Island. So, like, all of the – All the Rhode Island references? All the Rhode Island, all the Rhode Island references, all the scenery – uh, of Rhode Island, the that scene was at the airport. Anyway, I love that movie. I love that movie. My favorite. Too. It's my it's my favorite comedy of all I time. I can quote most. Of, I can. Quote I could probably do that. We could probably sit here and do the movie like. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, me, no. The what's fu- the soup du jour? Mm, yeah, soup, soup of the, of the day. day. That mm, sounds great. Sounds I'll have that. I'll have that. <laughs> hey, ba- hey, sports is in that too. See that? Yeah, Cam Neely. Cam right? Neely. Um, but the future, the future will look different, uh, and people freaked out after 9-11 and be like, I'll miss my plane, or I won't be in the game, and I won't... Look, 
we adjust, we adapt. It's what we do as humans and everything. It'll suck. It will. I mean, there's no way around it. If there's going to be longer lines or more testing, but if it prohibits this from happening until we get a vaccine or a cure or whatever the hell they come up with, yeah. I think it's the better alternative than not having it at all. Uh, I, I do, unfortunately, think the last business to come back from our world will be concerts. Why because, is that? Why concerts not? Because we can play a game without fans. You can't play a concert without people. Like, yeah, that would right. Kind of weird. Um, Very. So, like, we could technically start playing without fans and or limited fans, but does U2 with 5,000 people in a building make sense? When they're all spread out. Yeah, it doesn't really work. Yeah. Um, so I think concerts will be behind sports. I think so. Just internally, I, I think so. Like we own a NASCAR team. I think NASCAR will be back sooner than later. Uh, I think the PGA, who we work with pretty closely on one of our events, will be back sooner than later. Um, I think hockey and basketball are getting closer to figuring out a solution because they have a less of a logistic to figure out because of their seasons almost over. Baseball has got the hardest. Um, task right now because they're trying to figure out how to play the most amount of games Yeah, with just logistics that are absolutely probably... Everyone's got to travel. That's like one of the... Yeah, and the Arizona scenario is tough because you're asking guys to sequester for five months from their families. And the other thing everyone's talking about now is injuries. Like the NHL and NBA stopped playing and like, now they're going to get back in playing shape right away to right. finish their season. And baseball pitchers are going to blow their shoulders out. So, like, there's all those things to consider, too. But they're legit things. But going back to kind of the other the piece of that, right, one of the opportunities that I foresee is this uh, growing sports tech industry, right? 100%. In my opinion, technology is going to fix this. And technology within sports is going to – when I say fix this, that's not really it. But they're going to help us get through uh, this tough, uh, you know, th- this tough, these tough times. And I think that if you're a college-age student or you're just out of college and trying to figure what's next, I am sure as hell researching sports tech um, companies and who's working with the different sports executives. Right? You don't have to work for the team. But if you say, hey, I work with, I don't know, I was talking to someone today, uh, and they run a sports tech company. I have a client in Nebraska. I have a client with uh, Ohio State. I have a, a client, they had an uh, independent league uh, baseball team. Like, you're still working in sports with Correct. sports teams. Uh, so you still kind of, you know, scratch that itch and be, you know, very involved with uh, sports, uh, but in a growing section uh, that will be an that is an industry within within itself is sports technology. It's going to explode that world if you if you can figure out a way to provide solutions to teams to be able to play games and have as many fans in the ballpark as possible. You're sitting on a gold mine. They pay <laughs> like millions of dollars. Millions. If you sold a solution that was ten million dollars to the Red Sox, that would be a drop in the bucket. Well, especially right, to like, be able to get we did, we, off. we did it once, right? We did figured out a ticket game, a ticket revenue game for the Red Sox is probably around three million dollars. If you take thirty-seven thousand fans times ninety dollars, that's three million bucks. So, and that's just tickets. That's just one game, right? It's just not, one it's game of tickets, not concessions, not merchandise. So, if if you're able to provide a solution to, be able to allow us to have that many people in the ballpark, you're sitting on a gold mine, because that's just the Red Sox. That's not the Yankees. That's not the 
the Giants. That's not the Angels. That's not the Dodgers. Like, that's just baseball. Yeah. That's we're talking about. We're talking about globally F- football teams around the world, like who need to play soccer matches. Like, there is a serious business waiting to be started by folks, and that's typically what happens with situations like this, right? Like nine eleven, people develop technologies. The Boston Marathon bombing, like things are built and created after stuff like this that makes the society better. Right. So. If you're out there listening and you have a concept or idea and you're a whiz kid, have at it. Teams are willing to listen to anything right now. Yeah, sports tech is uh, is just going to be – is one of these industries where if I was buying stock, I would be buying sports tech like crazy right now. We should it's been growing some, uh, like – it's been growing, but not even – I think it's going to be exponentially higher now. Why don't you and I just write some code? We'll make some technology tonight. It'll be I, fine. I don't know what code is. <laughs> <laughs> we can Zuckerberg it. We'll just put it on the wall and be like, or we can take it from the, the Winklevoss twins and just take the idea. We'll have someone else pitch us the idea and then we'll just take it. I think that's a better idea. I think that's one that we could actually probably execute. Yeah, we got the lawyers on our side. We have lawyers. We, we got, got Mike lawyers. Scott. He'll help us patent it, so it'll be fine. Yeah, we can we, we can figure that out. But anyway, I think, um, I think that's going to be one of the big things. A um, couple of sports uh, news. That, what do you think about the uh, couple things, right? We got the NFL. So go back to the sports tech thing quick. Look at the That's, NFL draft. Yeah, it's all online right now. You're not telling me there's tech. major technology firms or major technology because companies working the, with the NFL? You cut out there. Not going to lie. We're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're in the middle of a coronavirus right now. I did not hear a word you said. You froze. Oh, there you go. Um, Speaking of sports, that was actually a perfect segue for what we're about to talk about. <laughs> perfect. So NFL draft. Imagine what they had, um, what they've got going on. This is we're recording this Wednesday tomorrow night, right? For the yep. first round and the, and onward, they've got major technological technological hurdles that they've got to overcome, and uh, you know they've got a whole boatload of people working on it. You could get to work with the NFL if you had a, a, a sports tech background. When they did the uh, the the dry run, the Cincinnati Bengals on the first pick froze. They were like, we select. Ju- <laughs> like so they're like uh-oh like what are we gonna do and all these gms uh are typically football guys you wouldn't call them tech guys so yeah, they, right. and they also can't have the it folks with them because that's not social distancing right so a couple of them have the social so i read a couple articles today a couple of them have their it folks in like winnebago's in their driveways like outside of their awesome. house just like on call for like if something crazy happens and it crashes but yeah, I mean, from a technology standpoint, it, it kind of exemplifies like how behind the times we kind of are, right? Because the Why fact do you that say they can't pull that off. Why do you say that we're behind the times? Because the fact that there's still the issue where we might freeze or there might be technical glitches. And even if you've, I'm sure you've had enough Zoom calls to last yourself a lifetime right now, how many times a, a, sheen, a screen doesn't share or someone fr- like gets frozen in a silly face, that just means like clearly we're not there. We have the concepts, but we're not operating at full capacity. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. And that's going to be an interesting four days for the NFL. Uh, it could go either. This could blow up and be terrible. Right. Kind of like horse. Like ho- like they couldn't pull off a game of horse. Right. Yeah, that was a tough. That was a tough one. And by the way, did you watch any of the horse stuff? I saw the I saw the clips after because I was I heard about the production quality being so bad. That production I had to see production it. was tough, but also like the difference of Mike Connolly's gym 
to a couple of like the WNBA folks. Like they're well, playing like in like Mike Conley has literally a full basketball court. We probably makes like 180 million dollars. Unbelievable. And then I felt bad like the WNBA person that they were going against was playing like in a, a high school gym. Not 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 even a high school gym. Like their backyard with the same hoop that you would buy at Dick Sporting, <laughs> Dick Sporting Goods, Goods, right? <laughs> Yeah, that's so, a different conversation for a different day. Oh yeah, right. But totally mackerel. But uh, I don't know. It was uh, it was interesting. Uh, it was interesting to me. A uh, couple of sports business news that I'm uh, interested to see how it plays out. We've got uh, a golf event with uh, Tiger and Phil and Brady and uh, Peyton Manning. Yep. And well, I saw I saw Phil have a one of the, one of a one of the better tweets that made me kind of chuckle so he tweeted this afternoon after it was announced i see that tiger after losing to me in the first round is bringing a ringer but i'm bringing a goat because <laughs> phil's playing with brady there um and that it's all for covid relief and it'll be on tnt and it's gonna make a zillion dollars from ratings and it's gonna be awesome because people are dying for anything and then when you put brady uh, yeah, just signed with Tampa, Mickelson, and and Tiger on the same course with all the trash talking that'll be going on. It's going to be epic. Hey, uh, speaking of great sports content, did you watch any of the Jordan stuff? I have a DVR. I uh, I watched both of them that that night, and uh, they were good. They were good. I've heard uh, they're great. They I've heard they're com- great. Come out fire with the '90s rap music in the beginning. Oh, really? First song is Puffy and Mace, then followed by Biggie. I was in from the first you were second. All in. all in. I was all in. I love '90s rap music. Love it. Love it. Love it with every fiber of my being. It is the it is the best generation for I, rap music. Yeah, Biggie, Biggie was the best. There is nobody else. Don't even we've, yeah, talk we've about co- anybody we've else. We've covered it. I know Biggie's your boy. Biggie's my boy. We're gonna yeah. We'll talk all to, anyway. Um, you know what else I'm interested in, and this affects both of us. Is the minor league baseball, major league baseball um, agreement, uh, PBA that's going on? Um, who knows? I have zero insight on this. As in, like, I have no insider information. No one's feeding me anything. But uh, I don't know, man. I'm I'm nervous for my friends uh, who work in low A teams who are working in tough markets right now, uh, in tough places. Um, Man, yeah, I'm, did, I'm, I'm did, nervous about it. I, I really am. I'm nervous. I, going into this thing, I thought it was a big uh, – I, I thought it was just this big play by Major League Baseball. Uh, and I was like, they're never going to cut any teams. This is a waste of time, right? This is just a uh, grandiose I, statement that will be walked back, and that's what I thought. I think this situation did not help. This it can't – it couldn't have – it didn't help. It, yeah, it did not – it did not help at all. It only it only hurt. and It uh, hurt the minor league leverage um, big time. And it is sad because, you know, I mean, a lot of the people that will be either out of jobs or displaced because of this, it's sad because at those levels, it's hard enough as is. Um and then to have that dropped on you, and you all of a sudden you become an independent team with no affiliation. Oh, it's hard to survive. And the owners and it, that bought those teams, thinking they would have affiliation forever—that's the—that's the value, right? That's yeah, the, the valuation. Value is, the valuation of that franchise is gone. Gone. Like it's, ah, it's gone. It's just for me. Uh, I'll be interested what happens, right? Minor league baseball said uh, sent out a statement saying that it wasn't. Uh, that's not 
you know, true and yada, yada, yada. Nothing's been agreed upon, which, right, I'm sure that's... that's... It seems like smoke and fire are around right now, but it's yeah. it's unfortunate. Um, I mean, it is... We're going to talk about it from a business perspective. I've always found it fascinating on the baseball side why there are so many levels of teams and it is, it's got to be a hell of an expense for like uh, major there is not even anyone even close the the nhl has the ahl and that's echl is uh that's like too, right sort of yes but not i mean that's like bare bones yeah like bare bones and not not every echl team really is either so and then the nfl doesn't even have one and the nba has some teams have g league teams yeah most of them have g league teams now, yeah right but the MLB has like what seven or eight affiliates. Yeah, you got triple A, double A, high A, low A, short season A, Dominican. Yeah, right. So, uh, Florida, you know, uh, you know, got the summer leagues and anyway. It's just a massive amount of players, and I get that's because baseball is one of the harder ones to read until you guys actually start playing professional sports. Because yeah. the, like you kind of get a sense from college football who will translate whatever, but. College basketball, same thing, but baseball is such a massive jump to go from high school or college into the professional leagues because it's just a different game. Hitting a slider at 97 miles per hour versus hitting a, a fastball at 87 miles per hour is a, big, a little different. Big jump. So I get that part, but from a business standpoint, I also understand where MLB or the owners are coming from because it's a ton of, ton of overhead. Also, too, one of the things that, um, to bring Battle Creek into the story, um, of course. I, I was I was waiting for us to get there. <laughs> right, facility standards. The one thing that they've got an argument. Some of these places have really tough facilities. Um, Battle Creek was one of them. I had to go tell people. I don't think I, I don't know if I've told this on this podcast or not, but we had to go tell visiting teams that when it was going to rain overnight, to put their don't put anything at the bottom of their lockers because the clubhouse was going to flood and shoes and stuff should go on top. If not, you're screwed. And we used to have to take giant squeegees and squeegee the water out of the visiting clubhouse. <laughs> and occasionally, like, there would literally be a shoe that would float on past, right? <laughs> That's and it's so like, minor league baseball. That, that can't be the case, right? That just can't be. I know, because there's guys that probably came through that are end up playing in Major League Baseball. No, that absolutely heads. Uh, Wade Davis uh, came through yeah, Battle Creek. He's good. Uh, Jake McGee came through uh, Battle another Creek. Good, another good guy on the Rays, right? Was yeah, it was Rays? all. This is a, we were a Rays affiliate, and um, uh, there was a shortstop that played some too. Reed Brignac uh, played some. And I'm sure I'm forgetting people, but um, anyway, the to put them in places where think about it. If they're playing like major D1 baseball, right? Like LSU. Under Miami. They're playing in immaculate places, right? <laughs> yes. Then you got to go to Battle Creek, Michigan, and you got to worry about your shoes floating away. <laughs> like, there's got to be something there, right? So I always thought, I was like, all right, well, I can understand that. And I think minor league baseball people did too. And there was a the quality of food too, right? Like, because like nutrition is so important in sports. And these guys were ordering from the pizza shops and the sub shops after games. Yeah, but like, I'll, I'll say this that is true at a point um where yeah that happened back in the day but over the last even when i when i was in scranton and omaha those days weren't as prevalent as it was where it was just putting a tray of hot dogs out there 
Occasionally that happened. But sometimes the guys were like, we don't want anything. We're just going to go to McDonald's. No, I know. We So we, in the AHL, we used to have to find um, places that would deliver to the bus as the visiting team was ready to leave. So like we always had to have like a pizza shop that was able to, to take the order probably around in the second period and have it delivered right after the third period ended. So the guys, as they walked on the bus, their pizza, or if our team was about to travel yeah. to, a, to a road game, their food would be waiting. And we had to scrounge the like Lowell and Albany to find these places that were quality <laughs> enough that were good for because these guys in the AHL are literally one step away from the NHL so there's some top top prospects of course can't, can't be throwing like some yeah you can't pizza. be throwing right you can't be having crap but that's really changed I mean the guys now they're eating high quality high quality food the thing that's tough is you've got coaching staffs and everything that are now just giant with rovers and there's like a million people in the uh clubhouse and just uh, and you know it can get expensive i know that's the, that's the whole thing i was talking about like the, the overhead on all of this is not only, through the roof it's through the roof and the majority of guys who make it are negligible most of the guys that play in these teams and leagues very rarely make it to the majors so you have a massive investment for sometimes it pays off for one or two guys yeah, and it's it's interesting. Like the guys like Mike Piazza who get drafted last and are then Hall of Only Famers. because of his godfather. Yeah, right. It's Tom some crazy, sorta. Yeah, it's a uh, crazy we won't story. Let's say why Piazza probably was good. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't see too many catchers hit three seventy five and fifty home runs and you know, that's just seemed he played in he, let's just say he played in an era that was Is there a hot take coming? No, not really a hot take. Just just Facts <laughs> about position players that don't typically hit 375 and 45 home runs on a regular basis. And yeah. never before and never after that ever. I don't know. Maybe it's just, I don't know. <laughs> I see where you're going with this, my friend. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say it because I don't want to get sued, but um, yeah, we don't, gonna, we, we don't want to get sued. But we got cough. great lawyers in our background. I'm just going <coughs> to cough. Um, <laughs> just, just keep clearing that throat and it'll, it'll make it less weird. Same way, same way like <clears throat> Gronk might just magically have 50 pounds of muscles by the time football season rolls around. I don't know how that's going to happen. It's just it's sounds weird. Like, I'm a Steelers guy, but that sounds like a bitter Giants fan. I, no, I'm, why would I, care? I don't care about Gronk and the Patriots. I love the Gronk and the Patriots. It gives the Giants two Super Bowls. <laughs> there you it, go. I saw the good, the good joke today. The good dad joke today was if Tiger wanted to beat Brady and Phil, he'd bring Eli and not Peyton. <laughs> <laughs> Your boy. Yep, my boy. Your boy. Thank you, Eli. There you go. All right. On that, uh, I think we have uh, talked enough about what's going on. Sports tech. Look into it. Next week, maybe we bring on some, we do some story time. Story time? We can do story time. Story time. time. Do story time. Everybody, stay safe. Stay safe. See you guys. Later. Later.